Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to Hey Sis, I Need to Vent. My name is Tolu and I have with me... It's a... All right. Hi guys. Um, welcome. So today we are going to be speaking about anti-blackness. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot in the media right now about, well, I guess racism following on from Megan and Haz's, you know, because we're cool. So I call him Haz. <laughs> Megan and Haz's interview. I did watch it. I did. And there were so many jaw dropping moments in it wasn't wholly unexpected in terms of what they're going to say i thought it was really predictable but just the things but like when they started talking about the racism that she's encountered we knew about it but i think hearing it firsthand or first-hand account of it it felt really palpable and i think a lot of us could relate to some of the experiences that she's had yeah funny enough i actually could not bring myself to watch it because i just knew i'll be upset but just from twitter and stuff you could see i saw snippets of the interview and it just yeah it just seems like a super traumatic experience that they like yeah she's had to go through definitely i mean generally with um sis maggie sis megan i do have an element of cynicism when it comes to her but Why? then she's, uh, she's my cousin oh hey i can relate to some of the things to the things that you went through sis maggie but mm, my sister, ah, just eat your money quietly. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's we'll, leave that there. We'll save that for another episode. We'll save that for another episode. But yes, they talked a lot about racism. And um, for me, when I was thinking about it, I think it was bigger than racism. It was anti-blackness. And I think just that comment around Archie and what color his skin was going to be. Because yeah. I think they said in the interview that um, somebody in this, a senior member of the royal family was speaking to Prince Harry and then they um, asked the question about also what color is Archie going to be? Like there's concern about darkness. And I was like, you know what? This is more than just the racism that we talk about. Yes, there's racism, structural, institutional, whatever. But there's a much more nuanced form of racism, which is specifically anti-blackness. Exactly, exactly. And that's what we're going to narrow down. Like we're going to just discussing today because, you know, a lot of people, especially in the UK, we tend to lump everybody together, right? Um, whatever you choose to call us, whether it's people of color or I don't know, black and minority ethnic groups, whatever. We're all we all tend to be lumped together, like people from African descent, Caribbean descent, Asians, we're all lumped together. And I think that's pure laziness because we are, we're not a homogeneous group. Even even within Africa or within the Caribbean or within Asia, you cannot, none of us are a homogeneous group. And while we all have, we probably all have lived experience of racism, the truth is that some groups are more disproportionate, disproportionately affected by others. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be speaking about a, a subsect of racism, which is anti-blackness. And the fact that the figures show that black people are at least in the uk are more affected by racism than than other groups and you know that like that speaks for itself right we have like figures that say you know um you know black people in britain are like 10 times more likely to be stopped and searched than white people and three times more likely to be stopped than asian people and black people are more likely to be unemployed than other racial groups 
um, black women, I think four times more likely to die in childbirth and pregnancy. Like these, these facts are there. Yeah. And I guess it's a question of what, what does anti-blackness itself mean? Like what, what, what does it mean to you? Like what is, what is anti-blackness? I mean, apart from what the statistics say and everything, what is anti-blackness? What is anti-blackness? Anti-blackness to me is just that the darker the color of your skin, the more barriers, the more discrimination, the greater the challenges that you have navigating society. I think anti-blackness is people shout just, you know, it's even in stereotypes sometimes. Some of the stereotypes that are out there about black people and then how they're used against us sometimes, that's anti-blackness to me. I feel like it's a really, like I said earlier, it's quite nuanced and you really need to understand the baggage that comes with being black and some of the um, pressures a black person faces or how people relate to black people out there for you to truly understand what anti-blackness is. It's a really, it's a complex thing to, to explain. Yeah, and you mentioned something very interesting about how, you know, why, why is blackness like what is it in comparison to right so it's blackness is seen as something that's bad like you say oh this person is the black sheep of the family or like basically anything that is black or is dark is seen as bad compared to white which is mentioned like- as pure and lovely and holy and and whatever like you know you think back to even like things of like you know with church and with religion and just you know with our culture and like you know where like wearing a white wedding dress is like you know pure and you know and then the depictions of like the devil or demons are like you know dark and black and things like that and it's that idea that you know white is the ideal black is the bottom and then everybody every other color kind of comes in between between white and black and everyone is aiming to be white like is aiming to to either be white or to have the privileges that are associated with being lighter or being white yeah exactly that's exactly it and you know as you're talking the thing that i'm thinking about i don't know if if you guys have watched this um video it was of an experiment where um i think it was a black child who was given the images of all these other little children white going to black all on a spectrum like different shades or different hues of color and then they were like oh pick the clever child out and then she picked the white child pick the uh evil child or the nasty child that you pick the darkest child on that spectrum and that's exactly what you're describing that actually i think anti-blackness are all these stereotypes all this negative imagery that we've seen about black people in the black community that makes us think or that makes us believe that the darker you are the less desirable that you are the less attractive you are the less clever the more likely it is that you're a criminal yeah it's all this kind of stuff and um yeah it's, it's it's really interesting yeah and like i mean you know you wonder where this where this started and what this you know people say this is an inheritance from colonialism right yeah and and you also wonder whether it's also a human thing of in history we there's always someone that's on top and that person that's on top wants to always make sure that they remain on top and bring people down like this is thousands hundreds whatever years ago this has always been the case right and um, it's how you know the colon- colonial masters have basically manipulated 
it to 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 make it seem that anyone of African descent mm-hmm. really is primitive, and how that those ideas since when they came into Africa or wherever, and how they've continually for hundreds of years continue to perpetuate this notion that black is bad and black is uncivilized and black is primitive, and so yeah, anything that if you do anything that's not Civil, that is, um, that is civilized or is not primitive it's seen as oh that's odd for for a black person because nobody I, the idea is nobody wants to be black and nobody exactly that's a nobody wants to be white yeah you're completely right and it's just this thing that yes the dominant group which is obviously as we in the world that we live in is more people who they're they're white and that they're, they're the people who are successful they're the people who write history and they're the people who um, control the media, the messaging that's going out about the world, the imagery that's going out about black people. They're the ones who are setting the standards of what is correct in society, how it's correct for us to speak, how it's correct for us to communicate, how it's correct for us to look and everything. So just that they believe they've got this, I guess, white superiority. And that's where it comes from, isn't it? It's the white superiority that set the standards of what, what's right should be. And then us as people of color, we're all aspiring to be like that because that's what our view of what success is. And by doing that, we sort of diminish ourselves, diminish our own cultures and everything and just, you know, dull it down so that we can aspire for greatness or for, or for what we think is greatness. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, so we're spoke, we've spoken about how this is within, I guess, uh, where where black people are the minority so like within the uk or within the us or whatever so how do you think this plays out this idea how does it play out within our communities where we are the majority so we back home in zimbabwe in nigeria south africa wherever how do you think this plays out within our own people do you think there's still an issue of anti-blackness and everyone is black i mean 100 i mean anti-blackness if we just talk talking about it from people of color communities, just and I'm talking black, Asian, you know, anybody of color, our communities, I think anti-blackness is really prevalent and it shows itself most strongly and most obviously through colorism. So I was just sort of thinking about um, in Latin America, you know, you have black Latinas and we hear a lot about the challenges that they go through. Recently, Sunny Hostin, um, one of the hosts of The View, was talking about her experiences in Afro, as her experiences as an, as an Afro Latina. She feels that she doesn't really fit in with Afro with with Afro with black people because she's not black enough. She doesn't fit in with, um, I guess, what, what would you call them, the more Anglo. Yeah, um, Anglo Latinx, I guess. Yeah, yeah Afro Latinas because she's not like you know. Spanish enough or whatever it is that it is. So like that even exists there and that the darker that you are, the less attractive that you are. And actually in the Latin American example, the darker that you are, the more you're denied your an identity, even within the group that you identify with. So I thought that was really interesting. And I'm just thinking about in um, Southeast Asia, Indians and as, and even Bangladeshis, I saw this myself, but specifically in India, you know, in India, they talk a lot about the caste systems within India. And actually the lower castes are those who, who generally have darker skin. And if you look at them as well, those lower castes are the ones who are also, you know, socioeconomically um, disadvantaged as well. Yeah. And it's a really deeply embedded caste system in Bangladesh as well, where I spent some time. The same thing there, like you have darker people, they're less desirable, they're not even beautiful. And then just thinking about um, the skin bleaching industry. So that's from Asia to even Africa. 
there wouldn't be such a multi-million dollar industry of skin bleaching if anti-blackness wasn't a thing yeah. and I think skin bleaching is basically colorism manifesting in so many different ways in that actually women are literally burning themselves destroying their skin damaging themselves internally and externally just to aspire to the standard of beauty that is whiteness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i feel like people know it like you know people know it people, yeah, know know it. people accept it and it's an acceptable thing mm-hmm. to bleach your skin i remember having um a conversation with my cousin um in zimbabwe and she is somebody who bleaches and she's very open about it she can sit down and tell you the entire recipe for what the perfect bleach is and she's one of those girls who have managed to bleach perfectly i mean the knuckles are bleached oh and wow that is that is it's expert, you know, that's where people get it wrong like the knuckles are dark and you're like girl i know you're bleaching <laughs> follow this girl used to be chocolate like me wow now yellow top to bottom but i was speaking to her about like you know bleaching why you're doing it it's so terrible for you but her and her friend who is also a co-bleacher they all went up against me and said this is what i have to do to feel beautiful and if somebody's telling you that and we're always telling people that you need to do, self-determine you know tell if you want to change yourself feel free to change yourself whatever but you can be who you want to be you just sort of have to back off i'm like if you want to bleach bleach but then the deeper thing within that is that you're actually saying that what you are naturally your darkness that this melanin that you have it's bad and what's made us believe that is these images that we've seen from across the world that tell us that we're not good looking i mean i remember when i was in bangladesh and um i was um it was in three years i was the only black person in a group of 10 other white people um the girl who i was um who was sort of my partner she was beautiful like you know Aryan blonde hair blue eyes mm-hmm. pale skin so the bangladeshis naturally gravitated towards her oh, they thought she was so very beautiful and everything which is great but for me obviously not the same reaction and i remember really like you know i can just remember walking um through the market and i kept getting handed skin bleaching material like like no way. Um, fan lovely fan lovely you guys oh should oh my goodness yeah all the market store people who were selling any kind of bleaching product kept trying to sell it because there's me. an assumption that clearly you're not happy with your skin and you want exactly. you want to like i should yeah. want and they just didn't understand why i wasn't buying this product from them um so these are the different ways in which it like obviously anti-blackness manifests um within our communities in the black community going back to your original question in Africa and the black community guys it's in our colorism is in our families i come from a family where colorism definitely existed and it came literally came down from my grandmother and honestly the just looking at like all my cousins the lighter ones it was like oh she's so pretty she's this she's that mm-hmm. she's that but you as a darker person nobody would ever say that about you yeah they, he said like oh no don't spend too long in the sun oh why are you playing in the sun come back inside you'll get dark and yeah, or like using certain creams like oh don't use maybe vaseline or something because like it will make your skin darker and these are things that we said or were said to us and we just accept it as yeah you don't want to you don't want to be dark you know no and even now like even as an adult like those kind of things this that kind of messaging sticks in you i know like you know working in london in the uk when the sun comes out everybody all your colleagues want to have lunch outside in the in the like sitting outside 
I don't want to do that because I'm like, oh, well, there's no shade. I'm yeah. just going to be really black. And it's not, and I always ask myself, why am I worried about that? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Why am I worrying about that? I think definitely as people of color, we really need to look inwardly and think about how we're actually perpetuating black anti-blackness within our own communities because the whole thing runs really deep because it's not just thinking about the way you you look but it's even in your behavior the way you communicate code switching is the perfect idea of anti-blackness yes. and honestly like i feel like if you see me now honestly i feel like <laughs> but that's <laughs> but no you're right yeah code switching and almost anybody that any black person or any from a different country where you have a different accent coming to it's it's so it, you do it immediately because you're trying to you want people to understand you and you want people to hear exactly. you and and it's funny because you find other people like americans don't code switch for anybody right they don't, no. they don't have canadians coming here and they're like they want to speak in a british accent you either yeah. hear them or you don't hear them you no. know but why is it that as a nigerian there's something that I want to, I start, I'm not even intentionally, instinctively change my accent for people to understand me. Why? If you don't understand me, you ask me, pardon, and I will answer you again. Like, it's not that deep. You know what? That's the thing that I find so amazing about Titch, my husband. He refuses to speak differently. Teach speaks with his empowerment accent. And I was listening to him on a call the other day and he goes, it was a meeting and goes, yes, um, you may not be able to understand me if you need me to repeat anything feel free i don't mind repeating myself eight times yeah i need and yeah i need to take the leap out, out of that honestly and just be yeah like, even I, if i'm using my slang like being like eh -heh, sha, it's, oh what's that eh -heh, sha is a slang in nigeria and <laughs> i will explain it to you but i'm i shouldn't have to change and yeah you're right yeah i mean even i do it like definitely have an accent for outside and an accent for inside and it's just it's just around assimilation, isn't it? It's like, it mostly happens to us. You're working in a majority white environment. And so we just tend to sort of adopt and assimilate the practices of the dominant culture. And I think for me, or for most of us, it's a survival tactic as well. You sort of think about it's a way to protect yourself. It's a way to survive in this foreign environment that you're in. And it can be anything. You see us changing the way you speak. It can even be just around the hairstyles that we do. Anti-blackness even goes as far as actually, do I go out, do I cut my hair and rope my twat? Do I go out with an afro? Or yeah. do I weave on? Do I do braids? Do I do more ethnic hairstyles as people call them? Or do you just put on a long weave? Do you relax your hair? Do you straighten your hair? Whatever it is that you need to do. Those things are even still within, like like you're saying, within the our communities, the African communities of oh, like I remember when I had dreads, I had dreads for a while when I was in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, people would ask me, um, like, oh, when are you, you know, like well, they will see a picture of me in uni when I used to wear weaves. Because I haven't worn weaves in a long time. I think I've worn weaves since uni. And they would be like, oh my God, you look so nice with like with a weave. Like, why are you doing dreads? Why are you doing this here? Why do you have your natural hair out? And they used to get to me so much because I'm like, this is my, like, why should I feel ashamed for? But the people used to make it, and and I'm not maybe they weren't intentional yeah. in trying to do that. But those things are so ingrained in the mentality that you know having. And I mean, hey, if you want to have long flowy weave, that's like you said, 
that's so fine. fine. So that idea of shaming people for for me saying I want to wear dreadlocks, so I want to have my hair in an afro. But that idea that that's not that's not the I shouldn't be like I'm basically aiming down for a standard of beauty while while the stand I should be aiming up for like a long hair, straight blonde hair standard of beauty. I'm like, no, I'm not going to pander to these Eurocentric standards of beauty. For me, this is dreads or whatever is how I like it and you know I shouldn't be made to feel bad as I would not make you feel bad about when you know your yeah, weave or whatever but, yeah. to do that. and I think the reason for that is that obviously because of what the dominant culture is and because we're all aspiring for whiteness or whatever there's been a normalization of that dominant culture and then everything else that happens any other way of speaking any other way of presenting yourself for looking it's now not normal it's different and being different isn't always a yeah. good thing so there needs to be this um i guess for us to be able to dismantle anti-blackness there needs to be a normalization of what blackness is there needs to be a no- normalization of our culture our way of looking our way of speaking our way our hairstyles our food it needs to it needs to stop sounding like it's an alien thing even it's always so, exotic it's always exotic even to us as black people we need to stop treating it like it's yeah. exotic for us to do because we do treat it like that because we are so i guess we've been beaten down so much that we don't even want to embrace our own cultures anymore and that's perpetuating anti-blackness yeah i think yeah that's i completely agree yeah, and we, we need to take it back it's like what the group that we belong to right it's we are actually the global majority and we need to start acting like we need to take back our power we are the majority if all so-called people of color as we are called even though i think someone said is there anybody that is colorless but (laughs) so (laughs) even with like this whole people of color thing i'm just thinking just thinking it through not all people of color are equal are they Mm -hmm. this idea of um have you heard of white white adjacency Mm-mm-mm. the idea of adjacency, adjacency is that the closer to whiteness that you are the more benefits that you get oh yes this is very true mm-hmm. like we talking about people of color again that's creating a homogenous group in the group of people of color there are those that are much lighter and there are those that are much darker trust me when we talk about racism and even anti-blackness the people who are facing this are the people who are dark like you and me Tolu and even yep. dark on us yeah. but people who um have this white adjacency also often get the privileges that come with whiteness and a lot of people who are close to whiteness or have that white adjacency like the people who can pass as white i think historically in america there used to be people who could just pass because you know they they're light enough to pass as white many people who can pass as white they usually play up to that privilege and they actually capitalize on it. They adopt white mannerisms. They um, change their whole beings to really ensure that they feel they fit this white mold and they prosper in life. A lot of people who have this white adjacency or whatever you want to call it, a lot of them don't even realize the privilege that it comes with it. I know that people of color sometimes we want to bundle ourselves up together and act like we've got the same experiences, but I think we also need to be really fair and honest and say that actually, no, it depends what color you are. When we're talking about anti-blackness, we're talking about, um, what can I say? 
sub-Saharan Africans. If we put yeah, it in the Africa, uh, sub-Saharan Africa, you're right because let's say some parts, yeah, Northern Africa that tend to just feel like they're not part of us. But yeah, yeah. sub-Saharan Africa. Sub-Saharan Africa, but then even within sub-Saharan Africa, there are people who are lighter. And I think we have a friend, Tolu, shared friend, who is very fair and who is very light. In some contexts, they will be treated a lot differently than you and I, just because of their complexion. So yeah. we need to realize that as well that actually not all people of color are equal. There is this idea of white agency and the and I guess the benefits that that comes with. Yeah, it is. It is just yeah. It's it's interesting and because of what we said earlier about how whiteness is seen as the ideal and then black blackness is at the bottom. It's like everybody is trying to is trying to be accepted within whiteness and trying to you know like yeah just be closer to the ideal as much as they can and that and that's yeah yeah. and it's even like when we talk think about stereotypes and stuff when it comes to um describe a robber or something or describe a murderer or whatever people will always describe like a really dark black man yep so again the imagery that's been put out there about Mm -hmm. like black people people who are darker there's just this attitude that like yeah this existing attitude and i think this is why racism runs so deep because it's just all focused i think yeah it's on one group really yeah it really does it's 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 it's, it's crazy it's mad but it I thought, would you say that do you have experience of like anti-blackness as a black as a black woman do you think you've experienced it beyond what we've talked about with colorism and all that kind of stuff? Um, I mean, you know, sometimes you, you normalize things, right? You assume like certain things that you, you go through, especially here in, in the UK, things that you go through are just normal. And, you know, certain, you know, comments that you get about your hair or about your skin or about where you're from, I just I just normal. So I don't really have a I don't have anyone to compare it to like as in someone that is maybe um, someone from maybe Southeast Asia, from Eastern Asia, whatever to say that, oh I experienced this, but you know, you don't experience that, right? But yeah. within within Nigeria, you definitely get that like you know, you have that your know, people telling you, oh, Ah, you are like so my dad my dad is very is very light and my mom is 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 darker and you get that thing of oh you know ah, you are yeah getting dark like your mom or you know and it's basically saying that his complexion is the it's the light is good yeah exactly you're well. a bit fair-skinned and for me because i was kind of like in the middle mm-hmm. i'm not light-skinned but i'm not yeah. dark dark I'm, i was just kind of like so almost you, you still get those you know those things of like ah you're not fair yeah you're not fair like your daddy or you know that kind of things but it's good you're not dark like your mom and it's yeah so i in that in that way but like you said you just assume when i was younger i just didn't necessarily question it i remember actually when i was younger saying that i didn't there was a particular food that my mom and my brother love to eat and they're both dark and the food is like it's called amala it's quite dark and i didn't like it and my dad and I liked another food ever, which is quite light. So I remember saying that, oh, I don't want to eat Amala because I don't want to be dark like them. And so I was quite young. And I'm just like, now nah, I think about it, I'm like, what the heck was, like, where did I get that idea that that was a problem? That, you know, that was something that I didn't want to be. Yeah. Know? 
I think, yeah, anti-blackness is definitely socialized. And just what you said there, like my mom is quite fair and my dad is dark. And then I've always had it that, oh, if you'd be so pretty, if you were more fair like your mom, you know? That, that's just things like oh people don't believe that she's my mother because she's more she's no, like, like yeah that's what people say like ah, people with different complexions <laughs> yeah no definitely related. i'm like what does it matter and that's the thing that i think when i was watching that harry and megan interview i was like what does it matter what color this child comes out or comes out as like it's such a stupid person to the question to ask because if we think about white adjacency i think megan markle is a person who really fits perfectly into that picture into that thing of somebody who can who has that kind of like white adjacency speaking of that i don't know if you saw this um thing that was going around on twitter it was like a radio interview or something or commentary about the the interview and this guy was saying oh i don't see megan as a black woman like she's very beautiful you know, so I don't see her. I don't see that. Oh, like compared to someone like Oprah, who is a black woman, but I don't see Megan as a black woman because she, because she is so beautiful. So beautiful. That's and so like, oh my gosh. So basically, black and beautiful are what opposites then? Because how can you say, oh, I don't see her as a black woman because she's pretty? Yeah, that's mad. And that's exactly it. And I think that's like, yeah. But yeah, white is always going to be deemed to be more beautiful. I think more recently, there's now been this, I guess, promotion or trying to normalize black beauty standards a bit more. Like yeah. I was, I was really, um, I was looking at um, Kelly Rowland's latest um, campaign for her Just Fab, um, uh, what you know, line, and she, the main model is like a Sudanese model, extremely beautiful and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it's really cool to see. I think there's now more representation in the beauty industry. I think like Lupita Nyong'o or something, she's um, the person, uh, one of the key people for Lancome, and it's making, I guess, beauty brands and stuff are trying to make themselves a bit more accessible to like women of color, black women, and they're trying to actually show different standards of beauty, which is really, really good. But I think we have a very long way to changing our mentality as a people. Exactly. It starts with us, really. We talk about decolonization. Decolonization. So what? Decolonization. Decolonization. We talk a lot about decolonization, but actually what we need to do is decolonize. Decolonize our own minds. We need to decolonize our own brains, our own minds about how we think about certain groups of people, specifically black people because it's people say silly things to you like like you know i've had people like people even say to me that and this is fellow black people people within my family ah your husband is so dark you're gonna have to have children like it's thing i'm like so do you want me to like uh, yeah anyway yeah yeah it's like little things like that oh oh my god yeah you should like you know it's dark like you know the saddest point of my life is i have a friend it's like uh, he's a lot darker he always used to say and i think because he got bullied so badly when we were younger that oh actually when it comes to me getting married i'm going to marry a white woman because i don't want my kids to be dark like me imagine so a lot of this so we know we talk about internalized oppression mm-hmm. and internalized oppression is exactly this that all the negative imagery all the negative stereotypes everything bad that you've ever been told about being black we unconsciously internalize that and start to believe it mm-hmm. and when we believe it i think we do very damaging things to ourselves such as bleaching such as yes. things like don't marry a dark person or don't marry a black person or whatever it is that you, you, don't, you don't hear white people saying oh like i don't want to marry a white person because i don't want my kids to be too 
too pale. Like, let me marry a black person to give them some color. You don't hear that. No, but that's a real conversation in like um black communities and black families. Like, I can tell you so many like in, in my especially my family. Like, my uncles were really keen. Like the most of them were quite light women, mm-hmm. like women who are light skinned. And I think a big part of that was that was just around that that there was this obsession with lightness in the family. Lightness is beauty. Lightness is what's good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess on that note, <laughs> um, yeah, we're gonna bring this to an end. But you guys, if you guys have experiences of of anti blackness. Um, yeah, please let us know. Um, we'd love to hear from you and yeah, see yeah what your experiences are as well, and if this relates to you in any way at all, both within the black community and you know within within white communities um, outside of, of Africa as well. Definitely talk. Have talk to your friends. Have conversations about black, not racism, but anti-blackness specifically. And it would be really good to even take like you know one of those implicit bias tests. So unconscious or implicit biases to understand what your biases are, think about actually recognize your own anti-blackness and try and think about where exactly it stems from. I think that's really important. But yeah, it would be really great to know what you guys think. Get your opinion. Yep, yep, yep. And for our next episode, I believe we're going to be talking about African brain drain. Mm. Just like us, because <laughs> we are <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. African brain brain drain. And it's really timely considering COVID, the COVID vaccine, and COVID is the only COVID. No, Africa is the only continent that hasn't actually developed their own, I think, other than Egypt. But then do we count Egypt? Because I always think like North Africa is a different case. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if they consider themselves. Anyway, that's, that's a whole different <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I guess technically geographically it's Africa. Yeah, yeah. Culturally, that's a different case. It's a different case, but yeah, that's next week. But yeah, great. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. All right. So do you want to sign us up? Yeah, sure. Okay. Thanks everyone for joining. Um, yeah, please hit us up in our Instagram at Hasis I Need to Vent, Facebook Hasis I Need to Vent. You can listen to this episode on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, um, and um, on Anchor FM. But for now, thanks so much for joining and we'll speak to you next time. Bye. Right. Bye.